Welcome back to The Curious Clinicians, a medical podcast that asks why. I'm Hannah Abrams, and I'm joined again by my co-hosts, Avi Cooper and Tony Brew. Hey, guys. Hey, Hannah. Hi. Hey, Avi. Hello. Now, now actually, before we uh, get going, Hannah, as we were talking uh, before the episode, I know you were very excited to plug something, so you got to fill us all in. I did. I I had a really important thing to plug uh, this week from the show, which is that um, it was some kind of like resident wellness week recently. And our program gave us Laffy Taffies. Uh, So for those who don't know, Laffy Taffies are uh, candy that have jokes on the back. And uh, I really had to share with you guys my favorite joke from the Laffy Taffy wrapper. (laughs) Sorry, I'll I'll try not to laugh before I tell the actual joke. (laughs) Why did the GPS coordinate get kicked out of class? I, I don't know. Got nothing. He had a bad latitude. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting uh, two weeks to tell you guys that joke. That's all right. That's tough to chew on, Hannah. <laughs> hey. All and right. That's the best joke you had, right? Yeah, well, I, they they gave us actually several Laffy Taffies, so I looked at a bunch of them, but I thought that was the best joke from the... And then there was like a banana-flavored one, and the banana-flavored ones aren't very good. Okay, so in this episode, we are going to be examining cystic fibrosis, and we'll explore why it might be one of the most common genetic diseases. Specifically, we'll look at whether there's a selective advantage to being heterozygous for a cystic fibrosis gene mutation. Avi, do you mind briefly going over for us the epidemiology of cystic fibrosis as a disease? Yeah, so CF for cystic fibrosis is an autosomal recessive genetic disorder, and the the lack of production or dysfunction of a epithelial chloride channel called the cystic fibrosis transmembrane conductance regulator, or CFTR for short, <laughs> thankfully, uh, leads to recurrent sinopulmonary infections, and those Recurrent infections then leads to structural lung damage and bronchiectasis. And then the cycle kind of repeats, infections, bronchiectasis, airway damage, and the lung disease progresses. There also are pancreatic insufficiency associations, and there can be infertility in males and so, and other symptoms as well. And so it's actually one of the most common genetic disorders that we encounter in clinical practice. And it's, mo- it's most common in white people of European descent, where the prevalence is about one in 3,000, and one in 30 of that population are carriers or heterozygous. And it's really much less frequent in, in other populations. Okay. So how did you get to our question? How did you start wondering if there were theories that tried to explain the prevalence of cystic fibrosis? Yeah. So I started to think about this when I was a pulmonary critical care fellow, like on my cystic fibrosis rotation. And I wondered if there was any kind of similarity with another relatively common genetic disease, which is sickle cell anemia, where heterozygous carriers are protected against malaria. And that explains partly at least the genes prevalence in in certain populations. And so could there be something similar going on with cystic fibrosis to explain how common it is? So so based on that, it sounds like we're going to be talking uh, in the realm of teleology tonight. And so we're going to be talking about explanations which are explained by their purpose as opposed to some necessarily mechanism or something of that sort. If if I totally butcher teleology, you'll, you'll correct me. Yeah, I mean, I think we, the, the, this, is, this is all about teleology. So it's, there's, there are going to be teleological theories that are going to be layered on teleological theories. None of it's provable. So I guess 
at all. <laughs> uh, but they're really thought-provoking, I think, questions. And I don't know if that kind of serves as a disclaimer of sorts. So like, none of this is proved. All of this is theory. All right. So, Tilly, all of us, what theory are we going to examine tonight? So we're going to look at the possibility that the prevalence of cystic fibrosis gene mutations might be explained by protection against infection by mycobacterium tuberculosis, or TB. Is this something that you guys have heard of before this? I had I had heard of maybe a protection against cholera, but I had absolutely never heard of a potential ex- uh, protection against TB. It's totally new to me. Hold that thought, Tony. Hold that thought. We're going we're gonna to come back to that. <laughs> Keep it right there. (laughs) All right. I won't say anything for the next 20 minutes. (laughs) So um, infection by non-tuberculous mycobacteria, it's actually quite common in patients with cystic fibrosis. We see that all the time. But infection with tuberculosis or TB, it's actually exceedingly rare in patients with cystic fibrosis. It's so rare that encountering a CF patient that gets TB in clinical practice is case reportable. (laughs) Like if you look at the case reports, it's literally like, hey, look, this patient with CF somehow got TB. Like that's that's how rare it is. Yeah, but so the selective advantage um, would have to hold for those who are carriers as well though, right? In order for this theory to hold because I know that the average age for patients with CF has increased over time as therapies have improved. But historically, patients with CF would die relatively young. So there has to be, you'd imagine, some advantage for the carrier state, just like in sickle cell disease, right? Yeah, that's 100% right. And we're going to come back to that also. (laughs) Oh, my God. Sorry. I'm going to, apparently, I really need to not say anything. (laughs) Okay, so if we're going to look at it, how would we look and see whether carriers of a genetic mutation have a potential selective advantage? That's a great question. So it turns out that there's three types of evidence that that we're going to look at. And so the first is historical or kind of geographical. The other is clinical slash population-based. And the third is molecular, getting at mechanism. And so we'll have to take kind of a deep dives into each of these three. So let's start with historical and geographical. So TB is like a really, really old affliction. (laughs) It's been found in bison from 17,000 years ago. There's been like prehistoric skeletons from 4000 BC that have been found to have TB. But zoom ahead to the 1600s, there was an epidemic of TB known as the White Plague that spread across most of Europe over the course of the next 300 years until about the 19, until the early 1900s. And this actually, at that time, over those 300 years, TB caused up to a quarter of all deaths over that time period in, in Europe. And it was called the. It's amazing. Yeah, and it was really, it really was a plague, and you know, it's called the White Plague because of the kind of wan complexion of many of the patients dying of the disease. So that's interesting, but is there actual um, like supporting evidence for this? In in so historically supporting evidence for this? Yeah, supporting the TB theory, right? So like so back in two thousand seven, there was a group that took on this this hypothesis that being heterozygous for a CF mutation is protective against some infectious disease. They didn't know which one, and they looked basically looking to see if like the modern prevalence for the carrier rate for CF mutations would be accounted for by infection, by protection against any infection. And again, recall for CF, that's about one in 30 white Europeans or carriers of a mutation. So they examined the current prevalence of tuberculosis, typhoid, and cholera, Tony, which you had mentioned. And then they looked backward in time 
And they said, you know, historically, if we take the assumption that heterozygosity for cystic fibrosis is protective against one of these diseases, which one would account for the modern prevalence? Does that make sense? It does. Okay. So using math that I cannot claim to understand, they found that the only disease infection that would account for the CF carrier rate was a significant spike in TB prevalence around the year 1600. (laughs) And so, and this actually matches up perfectly with the white plague that we described. And so essentially their their findings suggest that the current prevalence of CF trait may be explained of cystic fibrosis heterozygosity protecting against TB, offering a selective advantage during that extended epidemic. And the gradual growth in cholera and typhoid over time, which they did not have a spike like TB did in Europe, would not account for the current prevalence of cystic fibrosis. So, and interestingly, there actually are, there's some literature from the 1970s suggesting that parents of cystic fibrosis patients who are heterozygous carriers themselves by necessity, they actually have reduced rates of TB infection as well. So, so very interesting, um, hmm. but also a lot of... You know, let's look at two maps and and see where there's some overlap. Yeah, I, I'd say this is um, speculative at best, partly because the, I just don't understand the math they use to kind of come to these conclusions. <laughs> but I think it's certainly hypothesis generating. I guess I would say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So has anyone kind of gone anywhere with that hypothesis? Do we have any clinical evidence for it? Yeah. So this is a fair point, and like you said, it's it's this is yeah. weak. But uh, there actually is some evidence that's kind of epidemiological and public health related. And so there's, again, this is correlative at best, but there was a group from Brazil that examined the rates of cystic fibrosis carriership across Brazil. And they specifically looked at the Delta F508 mutation, which is the most common CF mutation. So then they also looked at tuberculosis incidence in the same areas, and they kind of overlapped them. And they found that the tuberculosis incidence was actually inversely proportional to the rates of Hmm. CF carriership. So the more CF carriership in an area in Brazil, the less TB. And they, of course, they tried to control for things like socioeconomic status, but how well did they do? I don't know, but they tried. So again, to kind of summarize that, they found that areas where cystic fibrosis heterozygosity was highest had the lowest rates of TB, suggesting that there might be might be a protective effect. So this is this is interesting. These connections are interesting, but I think we're all going to be more inclined to believe these connections if there's at least some uh, molecular or cellular mechanism that would explain these observations. So what do you have to offer in that realm? Yeah, so this is that last group of, of evidence that we should try to have if we're going to say that there's, there's a teleological protection happening. So there actually is. And so mycobacterium tuberculosis has a really complex cell wall, and some of the components are glycolipids. And these glycolipids have some very kind of zinger names, uh, such as phosphatidylinositol manicide or mannose-capped lipoarabinomannan. Rolls off the tongue, (laughs) right? (laughs) So, you know, these glycolipids, they actually help TB avoid destruction by the immune system, specifically kind of things like alveolar macrophages and destruction from that. So when the bacterium is taken up by macrophages in the lung, it sort of gets kind of sequestered in phagolysosomes, and then it gets destroyed. 
And so the glycolipids help prevent the phagolysosomes from fusing together, which is a crucial step in destroying the bacteria. So essentially, they're an important component, these glycolipids, of the virulence of the organism. But the glycolipids have to be in a specific state to effectively block phagolysosome function. So they have to be sulfated or have a sulfate group added to them. So sulfation of glycolipids helps prevent TB from destruction and is a crucial component of TB successfully infecting us, people. Okay. So these glycolipids both help TB prevent pronunciation of its cell wall materials and help prevent it from being eaten by macrophages uh, in the alveoli. And you need specifically to sulfate these glycolipids in order to block the phagolysosomes. Okay. Why can't TB just do that on its own? Like, <laughs> Why can't TB do the sulfation? Like, come on, TB. Yeah. Just ha- <laughs> I think you need to be trying a little Just, more. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's too busy consuming us. Yeah. So, you know, these are great questions. So, so TB actually, it lacks its own enzyme to isolate sulfate groups. That enzyme is called aryl sulfatase B, and we humans do have it. So under, under normal circumstances, our own aryl sulfatase B enzyme is kind of used against us by TB to provide the sulfate groups that it needs to avoid the immune system. And then you know, block the phagolysosome functions and all that. All right. So you're going to have to fold uh, cystic fibrosis back in now because this is obviously interesting, but, and I assume that the protective effect of CF relates to all of this. Yeah. I thought we could just go off on a total tangent without like (laughs) (laughs) sulfatases and completely distracted. Unpronounceable. You really just wanted to, uh, to show that you knew how to pronounce the the name of those glycolipids. (laughs) Unpronounceable glycolipids. Well, unpronounceable for me, but not for you, apparently. <laughs> I've been practicing it for the last hour. So, so, so you know, it, so it turns out that patients with cystic fibrosis, they actually have significantly decreased levels of activity of the aerosulfatase B enzyme. And this probably results from higher intracellular chloride levels when the CFTR is dysfunctional, which then kind of disrupts trafficking of the aerosulfatase B enzyme protein inside cells. So this, you know, people with cystic fibrosis may be protected from TB due to decreased levels of that aerosulfatase B enzyme, reduced access of the organism to sulfate groups, and decreased virulence. Wow. Okay. So two kind of ways that I could think of that we could show a connection would be, one, if, if there is going to be a selective advantage, we would have to be able to show that CF carriers, patients who carry the mutation for CF, have lower aryl sulfatase B and are at lower risk of TB? Or is there anything that shows that people who have a lack of aryl sulfatase B, so I guess that's mucopolysaccharidosis type 6, which I absolutely had to Google, um, do those patients, are they less likely to get TB? So in terms of the, this, maybe I'll answer the second question first. The I don't know. <laughs> The best way to answer. I had not really heard of that disease until you brought it up. <laughs> I, I still haven't heard of that disease. So I don't know. It's a really interesting question. I, I, is that common? I'm uh, guessing no, not. I hope I'm not. I'm guessing not. It's not. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tried looking it up too, uh, and there are not really any reports of it. So Of its protective it's effect against CF. I mean, I can't imagine it's, it's common enough that you'd be able to see that. Right. Yeah. It, a, a, ch- a challenging thing to research, certainly. <laughs> But to get back to your first question, and a really good one too, is like, you know, we're talking about 
cystic fibrosis carriers, right? I mean, that's who we are trying to see if there's a selective advantage. And I really couldn't find any evidence looking at that in the literature. So um, I think what we're left with in this case is biological plausibility coupled with retrospective population level data that generates a hypothesis that has some supporting evidence. Um, I think that's probably the most that we can say in terms of this TBCF relationship. So as I mentioned earlier, cholera was always the the infectious disease that I had just heard. I never looked into it independently, but heard had maybe driven the rise of of CF and and hadn't heard about tuberculosis. So is there anything to that connection? So that's a really interesting question, Tony. And when I started researching this topic, my original question was, what is the mechanism by which you know CF mutations protect against cholera? That was actually my original that I wanted to learn more about. And as I started reading, I started kind of basically I was learning that wait, like it's TB seems to be like the more accepted theory as to which infection perhaps provided a selective advantage for CF carriers and less cholera. And so, you know, it theoretically would make sense, right, that CF mutations could protect against cholera since the secretary diarrhea is mediated via CFTR, right? The chloride is getting the secretory diarrhea is chloride coming from CFTR into the col into the into the intestines. And so, you know, it's possible that there is protection from cholera. And also typhoid is another one that people have wondered. And remember that original study that we talked about looked at typhoid and cholera that could account for some of CF prevalence. I think it's definitely possible. There actually are some arguments against cholera being the dominant selective driver. And the first is that that population level data that we talked about, with that, you know, the modeling data that suggested that the rates of cholera historically don't account for cystic fibrosis prevalence now. Second, there's actually evidence against the cholera hypothesis. So, you know, when ex- when exposed to a cholera toxin analog, intestinal cells of CF heterozygotes or carriers, they secrete just as much chloride as wild type controls. And that actually, you know, that argues against there being a selective advantage for CF carriers because theoretically, if that's true, they're going to secrete as much chloride and have as much diarrhea. But that being said, you know, intestinal cells from people who have clinical CF, essentially, you know, they have zero intestinal chloride secretion to begin with, right? And that did not increase with exposure to the analog of the cholera toxin. So suggesting that maybe patients with CF proper, meaning having a homozygous mutation, might be protected from cholera. So I think the jury's out, I think, on cholera, but there's some weak evidence maybe against it being protective. So you have uh, carrier status being protective, but I think it's definitely plausible, maybe even likely that protection against a, v- there may be a protection of a, from a variety of infections that the carrier should provide. I think that's probably more more likely than it being just one. I think that makes sense. It, it, there's nothing that says it has to be just TB or just cholera or just typhoid. Like it can be a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, and that that seems, as you just said, almost more plausible than a singular um, uh, driving force. Yeah, like a Hickam's dictum approach to historical epidemiology. Okay, anything else you learned, Avi? So I came across some really interesting data suggesting that the the molecular mechanism that may account for protection from TB in patients with CF may at least partly contribute to like susceptibility to pseudomonas colonization infection, which we know is like a, a common problem in patients with cystic fibrosis is getting pseudomonal infections. 
And so it turns out that the sulfated esters, which aryl sulfatase B enzyme would normally break down and release, that's that's a, those esters are what the sulfate group is kind of cleaved from. Those are happily broken down by Pseudomonas that has its own sulfatase enzyme. And so that liberates sugars and then like the bacteria can use it for fuel. So the absence, the decreased uh, activity of the aryl sulfatase B enzyme in cystic fibrosis patients may actually predispose them to pseudomonal infection while maybe protecting them from TB, which I thought was interesting. No, <laughs> break down the sugars. So there's no, there's no free lunch, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unless it's you're a pseudomonas. Bit... Yeah. <laughs> the pseudomonas would do that, right? <laughs> yeah. so All right, have you got some take-home points for us? Yeah, so, so patients with cystic fibrosis appear to be protected from TB, and there's some retrospective population-based data suggesting that CF carriers may be protected as well, and that the, an extended TB epidemic in Europe from the 16 to the 1900s might account for the current prevalence of CF mutations. So the mechanism of protection, if it exists, is theorized to be deficiency of the aryl sulfatase B enzyme, which interferes with the main virulence factors of TB. But other infections like cholera and typhoid, and then protection from those, probably also play some role. All right. That wraps up another episode of The Curious Clinicians. Thank you so much for joining us. As a reminder, you can join our mailing list at CuriousClinicians.com to stay up to date on episode releases and have detailed show notes delivered directly to your inbox. We are excited to partner with VCU Health to offer CME and MOC credits for physicians and other healthcare professionals just for listening to this episode. For more information, visit ce.vcuhealth.org slash CuriousClinicians. And as always, the information contained in this episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Until next time, we've been the Curious Clinicians.